the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you find a church where the people are legalistic and rigid and inflexible to the point of being militant, it's very likely you look at the leaders of that church and you'll find that they are unbending, legalistic, inflexible kind of men majoring on relatively non-important and certainly non-biblical issues and at war with everybody and anybody who disagrees with them. In other words, legalistic church leaders tend to beget legalistic congregations. It may seem a little bit like the question of which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Does a church reflect the type of leadership it has or does the leadership reflect the type of church they are over? However you answer that question, it is extremely important that a healthy church have godly leaders. It is highly unlikely that a church will be fulfilling its purpose and reaching its potential for the Lord if it does not have good leaders. The New Testament gives instructions about what kind of leaders we need in the church and about how church people should respond to their leaders. If you haven't been able to listen to the last few messages, we are studying the church according to the New Testament. Today, Pastor Steve, our Bible teacher, will be talking about the importance of church leaders. Verse by Verse is a ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. The church is located on Sunset Point Road, halfway between U.S. 19 and the beaches in Clearwater. We'd love to have you come visit us. You can find directions and service times at the church website, lakesidechapel, all one word, dot com. The emphasis is on the teaching of God's Word in a clear and consistent way. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience today. It would be a good idea to pray right now and ask God to strengthen our church leaders and through them to make our churches stronger. Thank God for your pastors, elders, and deacons. Support them and encourage them. Let's listen to Pastor Steve with today's message. This morning, as we continue our series on the church, we want to look at a very important biblical issue, but surprisingly, an issue that many congregants aren't well informed about or even concerned about, but should be, because it's one of the most important matters facing the life of any local church. In fact, I would go so far as to say that this one issue will do more to shape the direction and the character of a local church than any other issue. Now, the biblical truth, the biblical issue that I am referring to is church leadership, leadership in the local church. See, many members and attendees have never considered what the Bible says about who leads the church, nor have they considered how vital this issue is of church leadership really is to the health of the church. Now, I understand that most church members are concerned about who their pastor is and what kind of messages he brings on Sunday mornings. But beyond the man in the pulpit, most have not given much thought to 
who the other leaders are or why they are so important to the overall well-being of the church. But regardless of the lack of interest concerning church leadership, the Bible has a great deal to say about this issue and does stress the importance of leadership in the local church. And there's a very good and significant reason for this. Jesus himself, in Luke chapter 6, verse 40, spoke of the importance of, of leadership. Here's what he said. A pupil or a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, after he has been fully trained, note this, will be like his teacher. The Lord said that a student will eventually become like the one who taught him. Which is true, of course, in all walks of life, but it is especially critical when it comes to leadership at the local church level. Why? Because it means, and watch this, that a congregation will take on the character qualities of those who lead them. Now, take on the character qualities of those who lead them. And folks, you can see this very easily lived out in various churches. For example, if you find a church where the people are legalistic and rigid and inflexible to the point of being militant, it's very likely you look at the leaders of that church and you'll find that they are unbending, legalistic, inflexible kind of men, majoring on relatively non-important and certainly non-biblical issues and at war with everybody and anybody who disagrees with them. In other words, legalistic church leaders tend to beget legalistic congregations. Or if you find a church that is hesitant to address sin and administer church discipline when there's sin in the church, it's very likely that the leaders of that church are overly lenient and rather timid men who are hesitant to address sin in their own families. Because lenient towards sin, church leaders tend to beget lenient towards sin congregations. Or if you find a church that is warm and caring, it's very likely that the leaders of that church are warm and caring individuals who have set a good example for the church to follow. Because as we said, Warm and caring leaders tend to beget warm and caring congregations. And on and on it goes, just like that. See, the Bible teaches that the character makeup of a congregation is going to be like the character makeup of its leaders because people seldom rise above the spirituality of their leaders. Even in the Old Testament, God laid out a principle in Hosea 4.9 when he said, like people, like priests. Like people like priests. In other words, the people are going to be just like the priests over them. You can see this very easily. You read through the Old Testament and you see that when there was a good leader, the people tended to follow in Israel. When there was a wicked leader, they tended to, to abandon the Lord and go after false gods. That's the nature of leadership. That's why the New Testament puts such a heavy emphasis on church leaders being men of God. Because one of the ways in which the Lord develops godly character in his people is by giving them leaders who model biblical Christianity for them by living out the truths of Scripture. It's precisely what the writer to the Hebrews told his readers when he wrote in Hebrews 13:7. He said, remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. 
he calls these people to remember their spiritual leaders, those who had, had come to them at the beginning and preached the gospel to them, and then led them by teaching them the word of God. He says, recall their faith, their conduct, and in recalling how they lived, imitate how they lived, imitate their faith. Now, I, I think what he's talking about in context specifically is that these Hebrews they were facing persecution from the unsaved Jewish community. And he's encouraging them to recall how their leaders, those who taught them the word of God, how they had handled persecution before them. Remember what they did, how they handled their own persecution, and then imitate the way that they handled it by trusting the Lord. Apostle Peter also spoke about the importance of church leaders as models of the truth, when he exhorted his fellow elders in chapter 5 of his first letter not to lord it over the flock. That means that don't be controlling, don't be dictatorial. But he said, be examples to the flock. Don't lord it over them, serve them by being their examples. And Paul told the Corinthians very, very pointedly, be imitators of me just as I am of Christ. In fact, he told the Philippians two times in his one letter to them, to follow his example. In Philippians 3.17, he said, Brethren, join in following my example. Now, that's not boasting. It's just saying, as God has given me grace to follow him, watch me. He said, observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Philippians 4.9, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. The way you see me behave, practice. Practice those things. So, Understand this, that these verses very clearly reveal that all of us at Lakeside should be interested in understanding what the Bible has to say about church leaders, especially the biblical standards for being a leader in the church. Because what the leaders are at Lakeside, you and your children, and for some grandchildren, are sure to become. See, whether you are aware of this or not, you and your family members are being deeply impacted by those who teach you the Word of God. And not only by what they verbally teach you by way of the content of Scripture, but also by their attitudes, their actions in living out the content and the truth of Scripture. All who teach, teach verbally as well as with their lives. So you and your children and grandchildren are going to pick up the attitudes of leaders, their responses to difficulties in life, the way they deal with challenges, trials, their values, their views in relation to the faith, their moral and ethical standards, and on and on it goes. What they are, you are becoming. So because leadership in the church is such a critical issue, and one that has direct bearing upon All of us, I want to take some time in our series on the church, perhaps several weeks, to give you instruction on what the New Testament says concerning leaders. And the way I want to do this is by posing to you certain pertinent questions relating to the subject of leadership in the church. And then what we want to do is look into the New Testament so that we can have some biblical answers to those questions. We don't want to ask questions without answers. We want to ask questions and see what the scripture has to say. The first question then that I want to pose to you this morning about the church and its leaders is simply this. Who actually leads the church? Who's responsible 
for leading the church. Now, the Bible teaches that in every institution on earth that God has created, there is a divinely ordered, divinely ordained structure of leadership that he has designed for that institution to function properly. So in creating marriage, God put the husband as leader over his wife. In the family, fathers and mothers are over their children. In creating countries, the Lord has ordained that governments would rule over each particular nation. In the marketplace, it is employers who are over employees. In the Old Testament era, Israel was given first judges, various judges in their history, and then various kings to rule over them at different times in their history, both in the northern kingdom and then in the southern kingdom. Now, in the New Testament, God has revealed that the way he rules over the church is not by various judges or kings, but only by one judge and one king, and that's Jesus Christ. Christ is the head of the church. That's what the Bible has to say. Listen to these statements. Colossians 1.18. I don't know how you can say it any more directly and clearer than this. He, speaking of Jesus, is also the head of the body, the church. He is the head of the body, the church. In Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 22, Paul begins to tell husbands and wives about their roles in marriages, and he compares it to Christ and the church. He says, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Paul affirms and teaches Christ is the head of the church. In 1 Peter 5, 4, in writing to those who are pastors, which, by the way, is simply another word for shepherds, Peter refers to Jesus as the chief shepherd. To the under-shepherds, he says, you have one shepherd over you, and over all of us, Christ is the chief shepherd. In Hebrews 13.20, which I just read to you, Jesus is called the great shepherd of the sheep. So the Bible very clearly teaches that there is one Lord over his people, only one head over the church, and only one chief shepherd over the flock. So the question is this, how then does the Lord rule over so many people? Remember, the church is global. We're meeting here, but there are many, many, many thousands upon thousands of local congregations that meet on Sunday all over the world. How does the Lord rule over and lead so many people and give them personal, hands-on, loving, pastoral attention? He rules them, note this, through a plurality of godly men in local congregations whom the New Testament usually refers to as elders. Do you get that? He rules his church in various locations through a plurality of godly men whom the New Testament usually, but not always, usually refers to as elders. You see, as one examines the New Testament, it becomes abundantly clear that the way that Christ has designed his church to operate is that each local congregation is to have not one CEO type man who calls all the shots, 
but a number of men who shared the responsibility of leading the church. Now, some of you may come from church background where there was a senior CEO type pastor and person and then a staff of assistant pastors under him who helped him in leading the church. But understand this, in the leadership structure of the early church established by the Lord's own apostles, that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. Each congregation was ruled by a plurality of godly men who were all equal in authority as they led and taught the church. Often the way that churches today, in America especially, do it is differently. We we pattern leadership in the church after American business practices, not after the New Testament. If you look at the New Testament, you see something completely different. For example, Paul and Barnabas and Acts went on their first missionary journey. Upon their return to churches, various churches that they founded, in other words, they, they visited a certain city, they led some people to Christ, they established a church, then they moved on to other places. On their way back home, they revisited these churches, Acts 14 tells us. And I want to read to you what Luke tells us in Acts 14.23. When they, that's Paul and Barnabas, had appointed elders for them in every church. Upon visiting those churches again, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders, not an elder, but elders for them in every church. Every local congregation they founded, they appointed elders to rule over them. Let's look at Titus chapter 1. A number of verses. This is not just said once or twice. This is the pattern, folks. Titus chapter 1, starting at verse 5. Paul said, for this reason, I left you in Crete. So Paul has left Titus on the island of Crete that you would set in order what remains. Do what I I needed to get done, but I I had to leave. Whatever remains. And here's what he's to do. And appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Why elders in every city? Because back in those days, every city had just one church. Every city that, that had a church only had one church. Not like our area that seems to have a church almost on every block. Every town where there was a church, there was just one church. So, so... Titus was to appoint elders for every congregation, every local church. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, Paul writes, The elders, notice plural, who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. I'm talking about one church here, church at Ephesus. That's the background of 1 Timothy. The elders who rule well at your church. That's what he's talking about. James 5.14 says, If you're sick, then call for the elders of the church to pray for you and anoint you. Hebrews 13.17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. So it's very clear that, that in the New Testament era, the apostles established churches that were led not by one dynamic senior pastor type man, but by a host, a plurality of elders. You may wonder, well, how many? Well, the Bible doesn't say how many. It has to be more than one. That's plural. And I I assume that it really is dependent on how large the congregation is. Now, you may wonder, if church leaders in the days of the apostles were called elders, 
then what's the difference, if any, between elders and pastors? Well, according to the New Testament, there is no difference. There is no difference because elders are pastors and pastors are elders. There's no such thing as a pastor and then you have a group of elders who are just a committee that meet in a room. All elders are pastors. All pastors are elders. And I want to show you this from Scripture. Let's look at Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, starting at verse 17. Now, notice this. From Miletus, he, that is Paul, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. So Paul's in a place called Miletus. He sends word to the church at Ephesus to send over your elders. I want to talk to them. And he wants to talk to them about his farewell. This is his last address to them. And he's going to charge them to carry on their ministry based on the pattern that they saw in him. So this is Paul's farewell address. Now, we don't need to get into all at this point, all that Paul said to them about uh, him leaving and them uh, carrying on his this type of ministry. But what I want you to see is as Paul gave them instruction in the process of doing this, Paul reveals to them that there are two other names associated with them as leaders. Notice verse 28. We've already established in verse 17 who they are. They are the elders of the church. But notice what he says in verse 28. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So he says to them, your elders, he calls them elders, but your overseers. The Holy Spirit has made these men responsible for the oversight or looking over the affairs of the church. So they're called overseers. But that's not all. Paul goes on to remind these elders and overseers that they have been called to do something else. We read on in verse 28, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to. Here's what you're to do. Shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. They are to shepherd. You could translate it pastor. It's exactly the same word. And by the way, overseer, you could also translate bishop. It's just a matter of translation. He says you are to shepherd or pastor the people of God, those for whom Christ died and purchased with his own blood. Titus 1 Verse 5, when Paul says to him, you are to appoint elders in every church. In verse 7, he says, for the overseer must be. So he's using those terms interchangeably. An elder, in Paul's mind, is an overseer, not two separate offices in the church. And then Peter says the same thing. In 1 Peter 5, he uses all three words, elder, overseer, and shepherd, to refer to the same office. Notice this, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verses 1 and 2. He writes, Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that's to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. He calls them. Elders who have oversight, they're overseers, and they're to shepherd the church of God. We don't usually call our pastors and elders by their biblical description, shepherd and overseer. 
That's their job. Of course, that means we are the sheep. Now, that's not very flattering for us, is it? We certainly need to be better sheep in the flock of God, which is the church. We also need to have godly leaders who are carrying out the shepherding ministry over the flock of God. Being a pastor or elder is a tough job and carries a lot of responsibility. If they don't do their job well, a lot of people will suffer and even be in danger. Whatever need you may have, we'd like to help. We have people ready to take your call and to help you or pray with you. The number is 727-239-0306. You can go to our website, versebyverseradio, all one word, dot O-R-G, and find a number of great resources that we have made available to help you to grow in the Lord. It is very easy to sign up for our newsletter, download messages, or listen to messages right there online. We need prayer partners and financial partners that will team up with us to keep this ministry going. If you haven't been able to give yet, would you pray about sending a gift of any amount? You can do this online, by mail, or over the phone. We're going to have to say goodbye for today. Tune in again next time as we continue talking about godly church leaders. This is Jerry Pruden for Pastor Steve and the staff. May God bless you until we are back together on the next broadcast of Verse by Verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.